Hey, welcome back to the studio. And today, um, after a little spell of face-to-face, we're back in cyberspace because that's allowed me uh, to reach out to have a chat with Camilla Hendrickson, whom I met uh, a couple of weeks ago when the launch of Atelier 100 happened over in West London. So rather than spill the beans, let's hear from Camilla because she's our star guest. Camilla, welcome. Thank you very much, and uh, so happy to be here. Great. Now, when you say here, where where are we catching up with you today? Whereabouts are you? I'm in the outside of Stockholm, the countryside. Uh, it's approximately one hour outside of Stockholm. We have a country house here, so uh, that's where I am uh, right now, uh, recharging a bit after an intense uh, season where we met in the middle of it, more or less. Yeah, so I think when we chatted, you were back and forth everywhere. So I can definitely understand uh, the recharge. So why don't you tell us first off a little bit about your role and a bit about how that fits into H&M? Because I don't want to give it away, but when, when one looks at your LinkedIn profile, you have done A, every great job imaginable, and B, zigzagged between areas where people don't normally move around. So just tell us what you do now, and then we'll work out how you got there. (laughs) (laughs) This can be very useful for me as well. It could be a a bit of a therapy, maybe, to see, (laughs) to talk through. (laughs) But uh, no, but I'm uh, currently, I'm I'm actually having a bit of a dual role uh, currently at H&M. So I'm both heading... uh, Head of Customer Experience for H&M Lifestyle Brands, which includes then H&M Home, H&M Sport and H&M Beauty. On the other side of the dual job is also to be a Global Brand Innovation Manager for H&M. It's a title that is quite broad or wide. So, I mean, currently I'm also uh, working a lot with big projects such as Atelier 100 being one of them, uh, the collaboration between IKEA and H&M. But also some other projects in there, of course, that fits into the the topic of uh, brand innovation. I didn't see a job advertised saying, come lead innovation at H&M. So (laughs) it's it's such a great job. But you didn't start off as a junior innovation manager and work your way up. You've actually done some really interesting roles throughout H&M. So can you just give us a little zigzag of how you go from maybe a merchandising and product background Mm -hmm. to all of a sudden this incredible sounding role? I've started, as you said, within merchandising, a lot within visual merchandising. So I've been both reorganizing and opening, rebuilding uh, numerous of H&M stores and being part of expansion for for some time and uh, then traveling around mainly Europe at that time because we didn't have any stores yet in, in other parts of the world. But then climbing the ladder, so to say, within visual merchandising, so starting in a store working then in an area, taking care of 25 stores, and then heading the country of Sweden. And then uh, in the end of that ladder, I was global head of visual merchandising. So I felt that I've, I've tried almost everything within visual merchandising. <laughs> I, wasn't a pro- I wasn't a professor within it, but <laughs> I had a lot of experience. So then I changed path a bit and I started in the global marketing department and heading a department, a creative department with the, yeah, all the projects and campaigns and design collaborations and things that you see out in the, 
out in the streets and in the stores and in the media. And after that, I changed into the new business department of H&M, which is actually handling and helping and supporting the different brands within H&M that is not named H&M. So it's Cos, Arket and other stories, Monkey, Weekday. And within a new business, I get in contact with H&M Home because that was, it was a department, but it was, it was more like a purchase or a, more like a buying department at that time. And it was a, some questions internally, what we should do with H&M Home if we should increase it or uh, if we should integrate it more within H&M. And uh, I really could see together with my colleagues a lot of potential with H&M Home. So started to work a little bit more intensely with that and then became head of marketing and communication for H&M Home. Then jumping over to uh, lifestyle brands and then in the end, uh, uh, brand innovation. And uh, pa- parallel, I would say, before n- now getting the, the, gr- the brand innovation role, I was also heading a project uh, that we called internally, but also externally, The Loop. So that was a big sustainability project that we were launching in, in one of the stores in, in Stockholm. And it's actually a remarkable machine that we display in a store. So it's the the world's first uh, in-store garment recycling machine. So I was heading that project, and I think that was maybe the junior part of getting (laughs) uh, the brand innovation role, because to to run that project, it was quite an extensive one. I I got some experience in what could a brand innovation project be. And that one turned out to, it was during, in the middle of the COVID pandemic, so it, it was some some troubles, of course, to do a, a physical event, but in the end, we managed to open it, and it's it's there today. And we also won a lot of prizes with the innovation. So we actually even got a Grand Prix at the Cannes uh, oh, nice. Festival last year. When we look at H and M for the outside, because it's so big, it tends to make us into consumers. So you sort of lose somehow your critical faculty looking at it. But I always think that when I hear stories like yours, they speak a lot to the culture within the organisation and their approach to leadership and people development. Because to get to be a very senior role and then swap to another discipline at a senior level, there are often challenges about, you know, do I know enough? What about the people there? How do we work together? So how, how does your path fit into the leadership culture and how how much support is there for people to change streams to develop their career? Mm. No, it's a really good question. And I think, I mean, I'm I'm very biased, of course, because I've worked a long time uh, within H&M. Uh, but I think with the values and the leadership, uh, I mean, that we have in H&M, I think it's, it's actually, I wouldn't say easy to change path as a senior leader to another uh, discipline, so to say. But I feel by doing it both, I think doing it the first time, a bit more scary, Doing it the second time and the third time, it gets easier. And you actually feel that you have a lot of support around you. You have your network, mm-hmm. both internally and externally. You have a lot of support within H&M because, I mean, H&M is, is built on those values. And I think 
the best mix is actually not only to have internal growth, but also to mix that, of course, with new external talents. Uh, but I think that that kind of experience that you build onto for a long time, it gives you some kind of foundation and safety. I know that even if I'm going into a part or a discipline where I'm not like an expert from the beginning, I have help to get and also I have colleagues that can support. So actually, I mean, you you almost get to a point where you feel like, but it's not scary at all. So then what would be the next thing? I mean, you, you get that kind of energy yeah. and, uh, and curiosity that you want to learn and, and to continue to develop. So if we were asking you uh, off the record, and it's just me and you now, no one here, but what was the thing that you found most challenging when you changed from one discipline to another, how did you go about, you know, maybe over the weekend, you get the job on a Friday, you're starting the next Monday. When you're sitting at home thinking, I've got to get ready for the next week, what is it that's going through your mind? What are you saying to yourself? I must learn that. I mustn't forget that. Just talk me through the process of making that big shift. I don't think that I thought about it in that way. Maybe I would be too scared. <laughs> uh, maybe I'm uh, I'm more naive or that I'm just... I think that in my mind, it's, it's a lot about being part of H&M a long time and feeling actually also both responsible for a lot of things, but also wanting to contribute in, in a lot of fields. I, I think that my main reaction was, of course, like, Wow, this is uh, this is a big responsibility, but also a great way of contributing somehow and to give back. So I, I more thought about how to use the energy in the right way, not to how should you say it that you actually are in too many places at the same time because you want to change too many things. Try to then how can you use the energy and and actually get things done. I think that has been a driving force for me that I think that being part of the company for a long time and seeing a lot of good ideas around, I think that we have great ideas within the company, but maybe we have sometimes a difficulty not only within H&M, also outside, I can see that doing things with speed within a big company and actually be able to execute with speed. So I more had that sense of urgency that I wanted to get things done and then maybe also show people around that it doesn't matter if you do a few mistakes. If you have that speed, you can correct that during yes. the journey instead of of sitting and talking or thinking too much on what exactly this role should be because... I think if I would have done that, probably I would be spending too much time on, on dreaming about what it could be rather than, than starting, doing, and uh, see exactly where we could take it. Great. Look, uh, with that call to action in our ears, let's uh, jump then to Atelier 100. Look, I love this a whole, just everything about the setup, the approach, and the realisation But rather than me get it wrong, uh, I'll just set the scene and then you can tell us, you can pick up the story. So a little while ago, there was a rundown subprime shopping centre, unloved in West London, and it's been renovated very nicely. There's a nice H&M at the door. There's a nice small scale IKEA. It all looks very clean and lovely. 
that's a big story itself. But inside, there's this thing called Atelier 100, which is incredible. So, Camilla, pick up the story. What is Atelier 100 for people who haven't been past yet? Mm. Yeah, yeah, it, it's really a remarkable project, and it's uh, it's a collaboration between IKEA and H and M. It's uh, actually the first collaboration we do that will be consumer facing. We have done some collaborations more internally and within different fields, but this is the first one that the customers can can actually experience. And it's it's basically it starts with. Uh, us wanting to find new creatives for both IKEA and H&M, but also in general, just to find new talents and uh, to find them locally. Uh, we had three things that we set up as a goal with uh, Atelier 100. We, we wanted to find the new local creatives. We wanted to do the local production to the Atelier 100 very close by. And we wanted to explore the local relevance for us, both the big global companies, it it also starts to be more and more demanding to really find out what is local relevance. You can think about it in Stockholm or you can go to, to West London. You can actually experience what local relevance is. So we, we also saw that as a great opportunity. And mm-hmm. I think that we had great ambitions from the beginning. And then when we were starting to work with it, we from both sides said, oh, Maybe this is too ambitious because we could have uh, said that we wanted to find creative talents and we could have done two out of three, but also to do the production locally in London. That was both very uh, intriguing and exciting, but also, of course, uh, a little bit more challenging because both for H&M and for IKEA, we haven't done production in London or UK for, for some years. But that's also the the, uh, the very exciting part. So let, let's talk about the production. So it's called Atelier 100. So Atelier from the French for a workshop. So it's that feeling mm. of startup, craft, that's a terror. Now, is the 100 100 makers, 100 kilometers, 100 euro maximum price? What does 100 mean? The 100 started actually that we wanted to do everything within 100 kilometers of London, not miles. That would have been more appropriate <laughs> maybe for London. But we, we, we took 100 kilometers from London. But then when talking about it, we saw other opportunities. Of course, we would like to have 100 creatives. We would like to have 100 makers. But that was the starting point of, of the 100 uh, name. But I think that we can find more uh, more purposes with it but it's actually that we want we really want to find the creatives within uh, London and then also to have uh, the producers and the makers also within London to avoid long uh, transportations and also to to explore because that's the also uh, uh, quite uh, I mean for my ignorance of not knowing London that well even though I've been there many times but when then uh, our partner Matter started to explore and to map these different makers and also the material that is available within London, we could see that there are several farms within 100 kilometers. We have a lot of actually uh, really sustainable sourced material that is very close by to London that I was not expecting that, so to say, that we even could could find those things uh, that yeah. close by. <gasps> That was very exciting. And I'll put a link to 
matter in the programme notes because Mm. the research they did and shared with us was really exciting. Those of us who live in London, we often talk about it as a global city made up of global villages. So it was very interesting to hear about the skills, the craftsmanship, the production facilities, all these different pockets within London. So when you look at the space at Atelier 100, again, you walk into this renovated shopping centre, you've got the two anchor tenants either side of the door, you walk along the corridor, it's there sort of at the corner, so prime sort of turning point in the footfall. And it's a long, thin store that... I don't want to be rude, but it looks a bit like a cross between a pop-up store and a glossy airport. So it's very glossy and it's very raw at the same time. But in a world where we're used to pop-up spaces, whether it's luxury or empty stores, tell me about the design of the space and who you've chosen to put in that space. So as I walk in as a customer, what's my experience? First of all, I mean, we thought also that it was a perfect spot because we had H&M and Ikea uh, on the opposite side of the entrance. And as you say, you walk down that uh, aisle and then you have that, like the next corner, you you actually meet that till 100. And we wanted, it is a temporary space, so we wanted to do something that felt a little bit more like a pop-up but anyway should be a a really like a cool retail experience nothing that felt like very just like uh, we opened up for a couple of weeks or something like that we we plan to have it open at least until the end of the year Uh, we had the possibility to actually recycle and reuse some of the interior from Topshop from Oxo Circus the building that IKEA bought and they had a lot of leftover interiors and and we we felt that that was also a nice story behind it even if we are not uh, advertising it anywhere or it was for us working in the project we wanted to use sustainable material in in there and and uh, i mean at least that we we are not shipping interior and new things uh, around the world to do it so that was also a starting point how can we make this space with what we have more or less the lightning we use in the store we have actually taken from uh, an existing H&M uh, overstock and so on. So we have been really looking into our both sides of what could we bring in there. And the idea of the whole space is actually that we wanted to merchandise the, the products in a slightly different way since we don't work with the volumes that we are uh, quite used to do within IKEA and H&M in Atelier 100. It's much more pieces. It's not that kind of volume. So we said that why don't we merchandise the, the garments more either within frames or as a layer so that you can see in the design of the whole space it's actually either layered or it's within frames and the whole facade is built up on a few big frames that you can actually just turn and then that becomes like the opening to the store and and right now i mean we have since the program started in May and the first products that will come out of the, the program of Atelier 100 will be ready in end of October. We opened the space just in the end of May and we now have 
local designers, local creatives, and uh, with locally produced material. But they are not part of the program. Some are, but not all of them. But that was how we just handpicked or curated the store. And uh, gradually it will be filled more and more with things that will then come from within the program of Atelier 100. Great. Now, tell me about working with the creators, because we met some of them at the store and I was blown away by the (laughs) products. I mean, the products, I remember talking to a couple of young makers who were doing this colour change, temperature jewellery, which looked phenomenal. Mm. But there also some very polished clothing and other items, a really nice range. But these aren't just suppliers. I mean, you're working quite closely with them. They seem to be getting a lot out of that process of engagement. So to maybe just outline what it's like to be chosen to be part of the programme. Yes, I mean, we had, we were uh, happily surprised. We uh, had a quite short open call, the first one that we did. We had it for 10 days and we had more than 400 uh, applicants. (laughs) And uh, for this first uh, program, we are taking on 20 creatives. And the reason why the number is not that high is that we really want to to get the program running and to be sure on the process because we feel all of us, part of the project, a big responsibility towards these creatives that we are bringing in because you can see, as you said, it's really wonderful to meet them, but you can also see the excitement and also the expectations in their eyes because they are now part of a program with IKEA and H&M. So we really want to more tailor make those programs for each uh, individual and each creative. So, I mean, some part of the program will be more specific for each and every one of them. Some parts will be more as a group because um, maybe you experience that as well. When you visit the area, you actually could see how fun they thought it was to meet each other. Like a small yes. uh, school group, or uh, and, <laughs> yes. uh, and it's like a community of, of makers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and some of them even said that that they were longing because they felt quite alone, and uh, yeah, sometimes a little bit lost because they mm. didn't have someone to reach out and talk to that were in the same situation. So I think also them exchanging contacts and that they can also support each other was also part of it, of course. But then they will get. Uh, get help and support both externally for some with some uh, mentors and also internally within H&M and, and IKEA. So that will be, it will be fantastic to follow their journey. And I yes. met some of them uh, a few times now. It's really remarkable because most of them, they have done, maybe some of them have done a few prototypes and some have done as the girls that you were mentioning that are doing this color changing jewelry doing small production in their own house or yes. in the girls' room. Or, and so it's really in, in the start of their career. And yeah. uh, I mean, one of the things that we see a lot is that marketplaces, direct-to-consumer, social media has allowed an explosion of makers to find markets. But I think the opportunity then to work with uh, an organization of your scale, experience, expertise, really is just like an accelerator. So for most of us, we don't really work in companies as big as H&M. So it's hard for us to make that jump. But one thing that's even harder, I think, is for a company the size of H&M 
to work with a company the size of IKEA. So we've gone from an elephant dancing with mice and trying not to tread on them to a couple of elephants tangoing together. Now, when um, when <laughs> chatting uh, at uh, at the venue, you know, the one thing that that I was saying when I got back to the office was the vibe there was so collaborative open and trusting. It was, honestly, it was like a tonic. So could you maybe open up a little bit about how the collaboration between these two big companies can be so personal, so can-do, and just seeming so fun? How did that come about? It's really fun to hear that that is actually transferring uh, the feeling uh, to you as well as visitor because it's it's truly it's the same experience I have being part of it and I feel that we have come really close the two to two elephants the two big companies and I think that there are a couple of things I would say I think one key factor is that it's a very small project team all of us that are involved we are involved in small things to big things like here and now solving things and and being active to being part of also dreaming about what the future can be for Atelier 100. So I, I think that that has done the work in, in keeping us very close. So when we have our meetings, you you don't really think about who's representing H&M or who's representing IKEA. We have a project together that we should run and then the one best suited for a task is the one that is solving it and doing it. So I think that has has been one key factor and then i would say uh, myself and then marcus the chief creative officer of ikea we both have a very good chemistry working together but also we had very early in the process we had a meeting together with the ceo of uh, ikea or inca jesper brodin and our ceo of h&m H&M group, Helena Helmersson, and also the chemistry between them felt really collaborative and very open. So, and they were so uh, so positive in with this project that we finally should do something together that actually could meet the customer. I think that we have been around existing more or less uh, around seventy years. The both big companies. And we are both Swedish, we have those values, but we have never really done that kind of collaboration before. I don't know in the past if it was more seen as uh, competitive or what, what the reason was, but it, it really is uh, a remarkable feeling internally that everyone is, is really positive that, wow, finally we're doing something with IKEA. Uh, <laughs> So, <laughs> but yeah. it's 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 a lot of fun, I would say, and we have a lot of fun together. This has been such a positive conversation. We've covered the positivity and support in the organisation, this feeling of collegiate collaboration, engagement at a local level. I mean, you are single-handedly doing all of the good fun bits that we talk about. So thank you for bringing that together. But as you look to the rest of the summer and the end of the year. What do you have on your plate now that's exciting you or coming next that you're working on? Yes, uh, of course, continuing with Atelier 100. Uh, we want that to be a success. We want to really run the program into finish line, the first program, so that we can 
build on it. Uh, it would be a dream if we could take that to further cities, of course, and super curious to see what we could find in both creatives and materials and makers in other cities around the world. But otherwise, I mean, I have several things, exciting things on my plate. I'm uh, <laughs> currently working both with uh, the experience of H&M Beauty and H&M Sport, H&M Sport will be launching its new shape and form now in the beginning of August. So we will then continue to work on a customer experience for, for H&M Sport that will enhance that even more. And then I'm, uh, I'm stuck in London. I love London, so I'm super happy about that. I'm also working with Oxford Circus, the H&M store, uh, Oxford Circus, and we will do something really cool and exciting with that store so uh, some planning starting with that as well well i think you've just shown the truth in the adage that if you want something done ask a busy person so thank you and camilla <laughs> hearing what you're up to i'm just so grateful that you spent time with us to chat today and i hope we can come back maybe once oxford circus is in place or to visit another Atelier 100 and uh, keep track on what you're up to. But for now, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you, Camilla. So thank you for joining us. Oh, thank you so much. And yes, you're welcome to join any project. <laughs> thank you so much. 